0: Hello and welcome to Byte's episode 164. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Thomas. Hi there. Welcome back. And if you're new, great to have you with us. Welcome to the Bytes family. Bytes is a tech podcast where we share our thoughts on tech news, AppleKit and much, much more. We also review apps and as IT professionals, we share both our love for hardware and software. We're a quirky show. And just to prove that, let me share one of our stories from the newbie's guide to MacBytes that you'll find at MacBytes.co.uk. Do you remember Wilson?
1: Wilson. The title of MacBytes 78 was Where's Wilson? And referred to a letter that confirmed the registration of a cat's medical insurance at MacBytes headquarters. No, we had no idea we had a cat either. More to the point... Mayer had no idea we had a cat, and if anyone would know, he would have done. Needless to say, much mirth and merriment ensued as you told the whole story in your usual inimitable style. Catch up with the full story in episode 78.
0: But back to this show. No tractor news, but it's only a matter of time. We do have a new yellow iPhone, robot wars on the streets, and yet more wild predictions regarding the lesser spotted AR glasses from Apple. Short version, yellow iPhone. No, we didn't buy one. Robot wars. Brace yourself for news from the front line, or to be more accurate, the bleeding edge of technology. And the wild predictions regarding the AR glasses from Apple Coming in 2023. Yes, the same news we've had every year for the last five years. So, nothing to see. Move along. Back to what is actually real, rather than real in an Apple sense of the word. New toys for you
1: during our hiatus.
0: Indeed all new versions of the Affinity apps. The best part had to be the universal licence, which is complete genius. The only issue for me was their timing. If you recall, this was back in November. Um, it's burnt on my brain and I'm sure it's burnt on yours too, Mike. But do you remember the great Gasman Kumuth saga of 2022? If
1: you're asking me, how unlikely am I to forget?
0: it will, yes i remember that as well the thing was by the by the time november came i'd really reached the point where i thought this has been booked and cancelled half a dozen times it won't happen la 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 so i was walking around with yeah it won't happen la 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 and it did didn't it <clears throat> i didn't believe the latest estimate and unfortunately this time that they, they were serious it was an internal pipe replacement program so not letting them in wasn't an option it'll be easy they said It'll take five minutes, they said. That woman told you that, didn't she? We've got it on, it's recorded. She said, oh, they'll only be there five minutes. Do you remember that? She did. Did you actually believe her? Because I must admit, I didn't at the time. Five kettles of boiling water and seven hours later, they finally left. And this was after hours with the front door wide open in November. And it was masks at dawn when when they arrived, wasn't it? It was. And do you remember, Tommy? <laughs> oh, don't remind me. No, please don't. Tommy, me pipe's stuck. We can't afford the therapy bills. And that wasn't even the end of the saga, was it? Basically, he, the guy in the house was screaming Tommy, who was his mate outside the house. Hence the door being wide open. Um and and of course he came in didn't he and and you were questioning him fit to bust there wasn't one question you didn't ask and and the answers were like well it's usually okay but sometimes we have to do x and y and z and you were like, oh, and, and and what's that? You know, what does that entail? And honestly, it was going from bad to worse. We It went from we've just got to push this pipe through the existing pipe, which was like, well, that doesn't sound bad. To um, we might need to put boiling water down it, which they did. To if that doesn't work, we'll have to dig up the path. And I'm like, at that point, uh, Valium, Valium stat. <laughs> so what a farce. But at the end of the day, when it was sorted, um, The gas needed turning back on. So this time, instead of it being a piping engineer, it was um, a gas service engineer who turned up. So you said to him, didn't you, um, have you got a mask?
1: I did, yeah.
0: You actually asked him. Um, And he said, and I quote, "Um, no, I can't wear a mask, I'm asthmatic. So Mike said, well, if you're not wearing a mask, you're not coming in. So can you find another engineer? So they had to head off and find another engineer. But when Mike opened the door to the later engineer, there was the first engineer, the asthmatic one, leaning on our gatepost, smoking a woodbine. Amazing, isn't it? How that doesn't affect his asthma. But wearing a paper mask does. So, yeah, that was great fun. So it was a living nightmare. I'm still recovering. So back to the 9th of November. Um, It was all on for 11 o'clock. I was actually teasing people in Slack by... by putting a link to U2's 11 o'clock TikTok, which is probably older than I am. So let's ignore the fact that I know about that song, but it was actually half past 11 and um, I dived in straight away to buy it. I was not playing around with the trial version because I thought the servers will get busy and then there'll be problems. So I just bought it straight away and be done with it. Generally, It went very well. It was simple via my Affinity account. Others had problems. There were some loud gripes about upgrade costs as well. But as far as I was concerned, Affinity never promised free upgrades forever and ever. I thought we all knew we'd be paying if we wanted version two, but it seems not. I did a live show. I can't remember how soon afterwards. I think it was it was within a couple of days um, of all the new features. And when I put a YouTube video up, I set it so comments are held for review. Some of the comments we get are absolutely laugh out loud hysterical, aren't they? One of mine. What was the video this was on, Mike? Um, It wasn't a video. It would have been a live. So one of the last lives and part of this comment was, um, it's factually inaccurate. How can anything I demonstrate be factually inaccurate if it works? You mop it. So this is why <laughs> comments are set to review them first. It's my playground, not yours. If I don't like your comment, I'm not making it public. Simple as that. So one of the first comments on this video back in November of the new features of Affinity Publisher, um, tore Affinity a new one. I was stunned. But the frightening thing was, instead of being held for review, it was automatically made public. So you said, oh, you have to set that on a per video basis, didn't you? Mm. And had I when you checked? Oh, yes, I had. But for some reason, YouTube had just let this one go through. So before I could pull it, thinking Affinity aren't going to like the look of that one, um, people had started replying. So I thought, well, well, I best leave it then. Before I knew it, I had a flame war in the comments. The original poster clarified he wasn't actually blaming me, but he wanted to use any platform to send a message to Affinity. Yikes. (laughs) It's all calmed down now. And I think most folks were happy with the update. Now, if they could just get the EPUB output sorted, we might be getting somewhere. Never satisfied, are we?
1: I bought it. Um, it. It was a no-brainer, where the universal license is concerned, because it means I can install it on both Macs, and I can install it onto Windows machines. But I'll be honest, my use is minimal. I never use Photo. I occasionally use Publisher. And I only use designer for creating my YouTube posters, but I do need the same version as you uh, for compatibility so that you can take my, uh, should we call it an alpha of my poster and make it good?
0: (laughs) We actually take snapshots, don't we? We do. So when Mike's finished, when he's had a first attempt at it... um, he takes a snapshot and then he passes it over to me and, and I change it. And and the changes can either be minimal. Um, I used to change you. You had a very big line height on the titles, which isn't needed. So I, I may just change that or I may actually totally reframe the entire thing. And then I take a snapshot and then Mike can happily play between the two. I've never known you go back to your own, though. No. <laughs> So um, all told, um, nice updates. But when I sat down and thought about it, what well, was he really warrant a version two? Because I'm thinking back to, wasn't it 2020? They added, or could it be 2021 now? Oh, I've totally lost track of time because in my mind, it's still February 2020. Um, But they added data merge. And to me, I couldn't believe they'd added that and not made it a paid upgrade because that was a massive feature, whereas the features they added in the version two ones were actually much smaller. Now, th- there's nothing wrong with that, because sometimes a, t- a tiny update is a total game changer with your workflow. But I I did think I'm not suggesting they should have held that back. But if they'd have added EPUB, just saying it was EPUB and footnotes. And when they added footnotes and endnotes, I, I thought it was quite funny that, that they threw in side notes as though you've been moaning for footnotes and endnotes. Here, have three. (laughs) But uh, yes, all told, definitely well worth it. Well worth it. And there's also a discount as well initially. Um, I think the only thing they did wrong is they didn't actually acknowledge that some people were upgrading, that they had already given money. So retrospectively, they provided some free assets. But I think the free assets, it would have been nice if the free assets had been there straight away. But to what extent we'd ever use the free assets anyway, I've no idea. But we are just like squirrels. We we just like squirreling them away. So uh, what what else do we have?
1: Why don't you share the details of the nightmare of your own making?
0: Oh, you mean the inadvertent installation of the Ace of Pace? That's the one. Well, there I was thinking it was a quiet night. I pondered what I could do while it was quieter than usual. I know, I thought, I'll download Ace Ventura Pet Detective, not to install it, obviously, just download it and have it ready for when I was feeling particularly brave or insanity had set in. So I've done this every OS since Leopard, I think. I start the download. And obviously, Leopard and Snow Leopard were on disk. I think it was Lion that was the first one that was a download. But I started the download. Now, the way the kit is at the moment, this was my 2018 MacBook Air. It was sat on, on a desk, a separate desk, but next to me. And the thing was, it promised all kinds of delivery times. Apple minutes ran amok. And I'll be honest, I took my eye off the ball. I got embroiled in other work. By the time I'd wondered how it was actually doing, I realised something potentially catastrophic had happened. I turned round to check and was faced with the MacBook Air rebooting. Yes, it had automatically started the install and was running with it. What the actual? That had never happened before. So it was a case of wait and see. Wait and see if the device ever sprang back to life or if we had a new MacBook Air shaped doorstop. Some time later. Who am I kidding? A long, long time later. And there was Ace Ventura reporting for duty. We all survived unscathed.
2: You mean stage manager is in the house?
0: Don't be utterly ridiculous. That is the worst thing to come out of Apple since the case for iPad 1. Whoever designed it needs intensive, forceful instruction in interface design from me.
2: Rather them than me.
0: Or me. It's not installed on any machine that I actually need to be functional, obviously. We're some months after that happening.
1: Same with me. Although... You weren't tempted? Although I nearly did contemplate installing it the other day, but changed my mind at the last minute.
0: Why? Why? Why did you contemplate it? Did you have literally nothing else to do? No, I
1: needed to update the the Mac. So I thought, oh, I could update Ventura. And no, I just decided against it because I'd get in trouble off you.
0: Well, um, I, I think the last one and the one before that, the Biggles one, definitely. I'm on Monty, I think. Have you noticed it's, it's all merging into one these days? Um, but I do remember with Biggles, whatever the one before Biggles was, I'm totally getting lost now. But the one before Biggles, there was an update. And if I downloaded and installed this update once, I must have done it half a dozen times and it just wouldn't take as soon as it rebooted, it said, "Oh, there's an update. Don't you want to install it?" So you know, the first couple of times, I thought, "Oh, it's an update to the update." But then I realised, no, it was just playing with my mind. So I decided at that point it was probably easier just to do the Biggles thing and be done with it. And I did, and it was fine. Um, obviously at that stage, it was a good pff, over six months since Biggles had come out, probably nearer the year. Um, so I did that. I've got an update that has been available for Monty and probably been available for six to eight weeks now. Every time I download it and I try to install it, it it moans and complains vehemently and tells me that it can't do that. So I'm thinking it's at the point it, it's the Mac OS way of telling you that it's time to upgrade to, to Ace Ventura. Um, but that's not happening. So I'm ignoring it, which is very good, isn't it? Because normally my OCD kicks in and I can't be doing with the red dot. But I, I'm taking a new approach. It must be after the therapy, which is if it isn't working today, leave it. It'll be fine tomorrow. And obviously, I've been saying that for six weeks. So we'll see how that pans out. But uh, at the moment, no, I'm, I'm sticking where I am. So have you heard all the denouncements of Samsung in the Moonshot Gate scandal?
1: Actually, I've managed to avoid it so far, but do enlighten me.
0: Apparently, it's a shiny new feature on certain Samsung phones, probably the expensive ones, for astrophotographers. Samsung have boasted that their phones could take high quality images of the moon. And it sounded too good to be true. And in true Samsung style, it turned out it was too good to be true. But initially, it did look good. Um, The problem was discovered by a suspicious tester who took a photo of the moon and then blurred his own image really badly. So all you could see was like a dark background and a very blurred white dot in front of it. He then put that on a computer screen. So at this stage, we had a blurred mess on his computer screen. He backed off and backed off and then took a photograph of it with this phone. And the result? A fabulous photo Of the moon. (laughs) Now, it couldn't possibly have been because it wasn't a photo of the moon in the first place. What he was pointing it at was that blurred that if all it was going to do was marginally enhance it, it it wouldn't be good at all. So it's not actually improving your shot of the moon. It's overlaying its own moon shot over yours. This is reminding me of Mike's Botbot, but I digress. The Apple press have lost their proverbial over this duplicitous cheating by Samsung. Me? You know that thing of it'll be all right tomorrow, walk away. Take a chill pill. I can personally recall at least half a dozen Apple scandals that make this pale into insignificance by comparison. Remember Bumpergate? I mean, that one... Didn't go away until Steve Jobs stood up and said something about it. Then there was Tattoo Gate on the phones. It didn't work if you had a tattoo there. Beard Gate, where um, iPhones had some kind of gap uh, on the edge and it was was trapping people's beards. You couldn't make these up. Then there was the Siri eavesdropping gate. And that was all before Child Protection Photo Saga, which rumbled on and has quietly disappeared. I did wonder why you were taking a picture of the moon, though, particularly with your phone, because taking a a good photo of the moon, that's a tough subject. I would have thought you would, you know, if you are into astrophotography, I would have thought you would really need dedicated equipment. But anyway, it's the first gate of the year, moonshot gate. I'm not buying a Samsung phone anytime soon. And we even stopped your mother buying a Samsung phone, didn't we? We did. I wanted her to have an iPhone. I wanted, I wanted her to have something that, that stood a chance of working. And she loved it so much, we then bought her an iPad. And she, it's never out of her hand, is it? <laughs> uh, she needs two, actually, because when she has to put one on charge, she doesn't know what to do with herself. So we'll have to get her a second one. We did actually buy her a six-foot cable, didn't we? So she mm. could sit and play bridge on it while it was charging. Yeah. But yes, not, not a Samsung in the house. But if you've got a Samsung phone, have you tried it? Let us know. Really can't see it myself, but there you go. Uh, oh, talking of ludicrous, <clears throat> Evernote are hiding something from you. Evernote are hiding something from me. In fact, Evernote are hiding something from anyone who doesn't have an imminent renewal due. Short version: Renewals are doubling in price. Yes, you heard that right—doubling. I think the price that was quoted was $69.99 going to $130. And this is after the last huge price hike, which was 2018, and a previous hike of 20% in 2015. At this rate, I should just give them a kidney and be done. I thought we'd seen the end of these kind of shenanigans because Evernote were bought late last year by Bending Spoons. And they articulated their grand plans. They shared them with anyone who was interested, as purchasers always do. And they were also at the same time keen to calm, worried users who don't like change. As soon as somebody buys an app or a change happens, usually when Google's buying it, which is usually six months before it's sunsetted. But they wanted to calm users. Evernote users have been subjected to more change than most lately because from 2015 to 2018, the powers that be seemed to be playing musical chairs with senior roles. Do you remember that? Yeah. They were not only were they moving around, but they were also leaving. So it was in 2018 there was a mass exodus of C-suite level folk, one after the other. And um, that was when the users started abandoning ship. Then Ian Small took over, and he's had three years in charge. He started with a huge rebuilding job and he did, I think, go about it the right way because he was doing videos every week so you could actually see behind the scenes. So that was nice, but it kind of it petered out, unfortunately. So then there was the Bending Spoons buyout in late 2020. Now, while I use Obsidian for my notes, I did keep my Evernote subscription just for capturing content. You might think, why would you have your stuff in two places? But I don't add anything to Obsidian that isn't my own words. So I don't want a clipper in Obsidian. I couldn't care less. Nothing is ever clipped there. Until now, I've used Evernote for that because that was Evernote's superpower. And I have no intention of renewing should these new prices stay in force. I only retained the subscription for the sake of convenience. And even then, They also changed the names and didn't they all start with a P? There was the plus account, the premium account, the professional account. I I have no idea which one I've got, but I was grandfathered on a cheap rate. So I stuck with it. But I have no intention of renewing should these prices stay in force. Absolutely not. In fact, Evernote, hear this. The intended extortion trumps the convenience. It's a dirty trick and I'm off. I do pay for Obsidian Sync. So Obsidian itself is completely free. There are two add-on services for Obsidian. One is Sync and the other is Publish. I I have no need to publish my notes. I'm never going to need that. Um, But I do pay for Obsidian Sync. I wouldn't need to pay for Obsidian Sync if iCloud could do anything other than annoy me on a regular constant basis. Um, Its concept of Sync is somewhat different from mine. I mean, today, iCloud means at some indeterminable point in the distant future, if at all. So when I was looking at the Obsidian Sync, it said $96. So obviously I'm working out here what that would be in um, pounds, at which point uh, as I'm trying to pay with PayPal and I've got different currencies in PayPal, I'm trying to pay with dollars. I realise it's Canadian dollars. So then I have to rejig. It works out at £4.80 a month, but it's £4.80 a month and that covers me and it covers Mike. So we can halve that price per person. So it's £2.40 a month. And that is versus £17.75 or £8.90 each in Evernote. It's not happening, Evernote. In fact, I think it's a downright cheek, given the current state of Evernote 10. Since its release in 2020, it has felt like nothing short of a beta app. In fact, an alpha at times. There are still three years on, hundreds of features missing. And, and the features that are missing are the important features if you're trying to leave. So, for example, if you if I wanted to, to export my 16,000 notes, you can do that at 100 notes ago. So I'll be there a while. There is at the moment the legacy version. So that's what I would have to do where I take these notes. I've no idea. I, I My best guess at the minute would I'd probably put them in Devonthink. Think. But um, you made a very good point about Evernote and Obsidian after last week's After Hours to the effect that Obsidian isn't for everyone.
1: Yeah, I said that with Evernote, you just open the, the app and create a notebook and type. Um, you know, if you relate it to Word, and I'm not saying Word is um, a, a note-taking app. Let's let's not go down that rabbit hole. But you just open up Word and start a new document and, and type. It's intuitive. But with Obsidian, there's lots of setup. You know, all the all the stuff that you've spent weeks covering in after hours. All the plugins, the the daily pages, uh, the Markdown format, and and
0: so on. Well, Evernote, I'll agree with you. It does have a notebook metaphor. I don't think that's as clear as OneNote because you have notebooks, but you also have stacks and people get confused as to what a stack is and you can't nest infinitely either. But I agree with you, you know, you open it up, there's a note, you start typing. But Obsidian doesn't need as much upfront as you'd think. Um, this series that I'm running in after hours is my setup as it has evolved over 14 months. And the beauty with Obsidian is that if you suddenly have a need for something, there's probably a plugin for it. I am pretty strict on plugins that I don't actually install that many. Um, But for example, this week, one of the things that has annoyed me since I started using it is when I move from note to note, the cursor gets reset, goes back to the top of the document. And obviously, if I've got a long note and I'm just going backwards to check something and then moving back to the original note, it'd be nice if it remembered where I was. So I was reading something and this person said, you know, one of the quirky plugins that I use remembers the cursor point. I'm like, whoa, what is this called? Need. Um, And I went away and I installed it. And that's great. If people don't need it, then they don't need to install it. So I think it's customizable but I do agree with you it, it's not for everyone because some people that that kind of customization makes people nervous What I will say with it is if you were to customize an app on machine a then come to machine B unless it synchronizes itself so think of Alfred you customize you install workflows you've got all of that going on in Alfred it can save its settings to Dropbox you go to machine B and it will look at the same settings and your your setup is zero. No effort whatsoever. Raycast does not do that. Raycast, you have to export settings and then import them on another machine. But the way Obsidian works, all the settings and all the plugins are stored in the vault. So there's one core folder and that's it. If I gave that vault to you and my vault is about 10 meg for... Two and a half thousand notes, which is just fabulous. I mean, that is going on on a pen drive from 1985. It's that small. But you would have access to all of the plugins and everything. It would look identical on your machine as it does mine, which to me trumps anything that Evernote can offer. So I don't think it needs to be as complicated as as maybe that series is making you think it is. I'm just explaining everything to the nth degree so everybody can set it up in the way that they want. You also mentioned United tickets, too. I think this is on your mind at the moment, but not in relation to exorbitantly expensive in this particular case
1: yeah it was to do with the renewal thing you know if you if you think back to what you said at the beginning um it's not just the price, it's the fact that they're they're telling you only when it's coming up to renewal for for forever note so I related it to the United season tickets because every year the renewal date for our season tickets gets earlier and earlier. in fact, I'm sure at some points in the future it'll meet itself coming back. <laughs> But if you think about years and years ago, you would get a letter round about May. Um, the season, of course, finishes mid-May, and then they write to you, and they, they would say, do you want to renew your season ticket? And the next season will start middle of August. Um, and you'd have to do it by a certain date, and that date would be, say, June or July. We recently got an email last week, I think it was, uh, where you had to indicate your intention to renew your season ticket for next season by the 15th of March, which was last week. Otherwise, your ticket will be offered to somebody else for next season. Now, you don't actually have to pay until the 3rd of May, but you do have to indicate your intention to renew. Either way, the season doesn't actually finish until the end of May. And as well as doing that, you have to choose by ticking or not ticking boxes whether you want to opt in or opt out of certain cup competitions. So way back a few years ago, if you bought a season ticket, you then had to, you were forced to pay extra for all the cup matches, the home cup matches. Now, at least you can choose to opt out of those cup matches and not uh, have the tickets. But there's three european competitions there's the champions league there's the tin pot as we call it and there's the secondary tin pot which is the europa conference league now at this stage of the season you don't know which competition you'll be in because it depends where you finish in the league in fact if the season blew up in our faces we might not even be in any competition in europe for next season so that's one way to save money yeah yeah yeah, that's that. That's true. So at this stage, what do you do? Do you just tick all the boxes? Because once once you've ticked or unticked, there's no going back. You can't say, "Oh, I uh, I opted out." Well, actually, now they're in the Champions League and they're going to be playing the the likes of of I don't know Bayern Munich and Barcelona, and City. Like what? happened Boston. this year. Yeah,
0: people because wait, I think it was pretty clear last year, wasn't it? It wasn't going to be the Champions League. Yeah, so it was going to be one of the ten pots. And, you know, when you're playing in lower lower matches, you know, you're playing lower sides. So it, there isn't that compulsion to go. I mean, I, I don't want to name a team in particular, but some of them you've never heard of. Do you remember when we, when we played Galatasaray and no one could even say it? Mm. Because we'd never heard of them before. They weren't Barcelona. They weren't Real Madrid. And then this year, somehow Barcelona ended up in the tin pot with us. And then people were sorry that they'd, they'd opted out because they then wanted to go to the game
1: yeah so so to me you, you you can't make that decision until you've got all the facts, but that's where the club's going, you've got to make that decision.
0: Well, that's just as bad as ever note, because what they've said is in relation to these price increases, when pushed because they don't really want to say anything, but when pushed, they've actually said that you would be paying more now for supposedly better features down the line. Really? That might never happen. I think it's ridiculous to expect users today to pay more so you build in features that are better tomorrow. That's your problem. Your cash flow is your problem. I want to pay for what I'm using and what I'm getting. I don't want to pay for some mythical, marvellous Evernote in five years. Because, you know, if I tried that five years ago, I mean, they could do something like Rome did with the Believer programme, you know, where you that that would give them a cash boost up front. So what Rome did was they halved the price if you paid for five years. Now I used Rome primarily for about three years, so but I only paid for two and a half. So I'm I'm happy with that. Uh, they could do that, but obviously that would impact their cash flow long term because then you've got people like paying for two and a half years but using it for five. But this is this is shocking. I'm not paying for somebody to use it down the line when I might not be using it anymore because they're insane. But to actually come out and say that and the worst thing of the lot to me is trying to keep it private. Do they not realise that the first the first person who got that mail that said it's doubling is going to have it on Twitter that fast? There'll be scorch marks on, on the keyboard. Do they really think they can hide it these days? The answer to that is, yes, that's exactly what they thought. So, um, yeah, my renewal is due May and it's not happening. But they don't know that yet, do they? Now, while the new Evernote features that that, that we're paying for down the line might never happen, something else I thought we'd never see certainly has happened. We've already shared this with those at MacBytes After Hours last week. Delivery robots have arrived on the streets of Sale, our hometown. Officially, they say they were launched on the 15th of March, but they were wrecking the local area for days before that. And I remember you staring out the window with, What's that across the road flashing and moving? <laughs> like, I looked out and said, It's a delivery robot. It's fine, nothing to see, move along. <laughs> Trafford Council needed to give permission, apparently, which, if you think about it, does make logical sense. Um, but the home base of these new delivery robots, and this is the first in the area, I think they trialled it in Bedford, which is about 280, 200 miles away. But this is the first one north of Watford, as we say in the UK, meaning where people really live, not London. And their home base is the cooperative supermarket 500 metres from Matt Byte's headquarters. Actually, they couldn't have planned that better, could they? Because we do have a lot of co-ops. When we were thinking about it, I said, there's one in Ashton Village. There's one in Timpley. There's one here. But but HQ is round the corner from us. Um, hence them flying past all day and half the night. And the people of Sale have welcomed them with open arms. They're chasing them up the street to take selfies with them. <laughs> Children are hugging them and helping them up some steep curbs. And the robots are talking back to them and saying, thank you. Lola was more interested in in any treats that they may be carrying. This was after she discovered an army of them on her walk. Uh, but yes, she's done the selfie thing too. But in her mind, the robots are having a selfie with her, not the other way around. She was most interested in the one that appeared to be lost in the middle of the local park um Officially they're called Starship delivery robots.
1: They have an interesting and a tech related history. They were actually invented by um, Ahati Heinle and Janos Fries hope I've got those pronunciations right uh, who also actually found Skype way before it was bought by Microsoft. And their purpose is to deliver small shopping orders within a four mile radius of home base, which, as you say, is two local co-op stores. According to one of the articles that I read, they can hold up to three bags of shopping. So certainly not going to be doing Wendy out of a job any time soon. And they're environmentally friendly, which eases congestion and reduces carbon emissions. Although having seen two of them next to each other tonight blocking the pavement, I would argue about the congestion claim.
0: That bothers me way less than the drivers who park on pavements. I'd retrofit scythe blades to the robots and deploy them when they encounter cars on pavements because a few deep scratches to their precious vehicles, too precious to actually park them on the road where they belong. I think that might just cure them of it. It might well do.
1: Anyway, People arrange their deliveries on an app, which also allows you to track and then unlock the robots, and they travel on the pavements and use sensors to avoid obstacles, although apparently there is a control centre for any significant issues.
0: I dread to think what constitutes a significant issue.
1: (laughs) A head-on collision, I'd expect.
0: (laughs) Anyway, you said that you'd seen
1: it navigating a curb.
0: Yes, it was fascinating. It stopped in front of the kerb. Now, these things have got six wheels. so And I think they're about, uh, about two and a half foot long. But these six wheels, it pushed forward. It, it stopped and it had a real think about it. Then it backed up a little bit and then it, it kind of went forward faster and it pushed forward with the back four wheels. Once the front wheels were on the kerb, it then retracted the middle wheels and pushed with the back wheels. So that kind of just jumped it up the kerb. I'm, I'm guessing there would be a height restriction. I don't know what it would be. Most kerbs are around, I would say, four, four inches. Mm. Um, you have to pay extra in the UK. If you have a drive outside your house, the kerb will be dropped. So the curb will be lower so, so you don't like bounce off, off your drive and, and have to go over the curb all the time. But if you have your drive extended and you want the curb lowered for a second car, you have to pay for that. And it's not cheap. So there are curbs where they are flat. And these robots would have no problem whatsoever. But there's also places where they are about four inches. But older roads, which haven't been, I mean, our roads are in a terrible state, aren't they? We were saying that earlier, um, in terms of potholes and stuff. But older pavements, ten, they could be six inches, five, six inches. I don't know how it would cope with that. But an average curb, it was, it was fine. It was fine. Um, I did see one this afternoon that had a long wait at the Pelican Crossing. So uh, if you are a MacBytes After Hours viewer, you, you will remember the bollard. Yes. Do, do, do you remember the bollard where the bollard got hit and then the lamp got hit? <laughs> it's still there. So this thing was it had crossed halfway. It was heading back to, to home base. It had crossed halfway, but it's a very busy road. Um, we live on a side road off this very busy road. But the very busy road, I remember saying to you, it could be there a while during the day because there's no traffic lights. This, this road is a mile long. There is a couple of traffic calming solutions along it, but there's no actual lights. So if there's an oncoming car, this robot just stands and waits. So I, I kept my eye on it and I thought, you know, how long is it going to be? Because at a Pelican crossing, drivers are expected to stop. They are obliged to stop for people but they are not obliged to stop for robots, which does make some degree of sense, doesn't it? Uh, One driver, because this thing had been there at least 15 minutes, one driver did stop. And I would say he stopped maybe six, eight foot away from this thing and the robot didn't move. So the driver flashed his lights at it. You do realise that they can get points for doing that, don't you? Can you? I mean, it's courtesy. It was courtesy in my day, but in this day and age, if you flush your lights, you can get points for that. Um, the, the police can't get to a body within like three weeks, but if you have if seen flashing your lights, that's. It. And you said, didn't you, that with that horse? This this is getting bizarre, but this is true. You said to me, "Have you seen the video on the BBC of the police on horseback?" Oh yeah. They spotted a driver on his mobile phone, and they were just meandering these horses through a town centre. Um, and just like the Canadian Mounties, they did a swift U-turn and there were these horses galloping up the main street as they chased this car. So like I'm saying, <clears throat> but yes, you can get points for that. So don't do that. Uh, but the robot didn't understand him flashing the lights. The flashing of the lights is like, OK, you know, I, I, you have right of way. I will wait until you go. But the robot didn't understand. So the guy tried four times and then drove on. This robot finally got across the road 20 minutes later. (laughs) They are allowed to cross with people, um, but there's hardly anybody walks anywhere around here, is there? Unless you're out walking a dog. I don't think there would be many people that the robot could, could piggyback with, that it could cross the road with you. So I think a lot of the delivery time is getting across the roads. But honestly, it has been fascinating to watch, hasn't it? They've even got their own Facebook group for M33, which is where we are so um spoiler for the next bites after hours i've got more photos and and rumours of video are totally true <laughs> so we we are definitely on the cutting edge at the moment with that aren't we although i think i think locally that's the biggest news but possibly nationally the biggest news the biggest tech news of the entire quarter has got to be AI, because literally everyone seems to be either lauding it or loathing it. I don't know how many people are actually using it for something specific, specific rather than showing other people what it can do. Now, I didn't do the chat GPT thing. The free version is down more than it's up, according to reports. And up until recently, we weren't able to give them money, were we? We couldn't get a pro account and, and be guaranteed access. Although when I checked, I think you can now. Have you checked lately? I've not, no. No, he's he- heading off to check now while I carry on. Um, so what I did was I signed up for the alpha testing of the AI in Notion. When I signed up, I was 21,000 and odd in the queue. I told you to sign up. But by the time Mike had actually bothered, you were over a millionth in the queue, weren't you? <clears throat> but Notion went paid well before you got anywhere near the top of that wait list. You should listen to me. Really, you should. And a few days later, after the, after Notion announced it, AI arrived in Kraft too. So I tried it in both asking the same things. Um, and Notion's AI is way, way better than Craft. But Notions AI is £8 a month per user. And that's on top of your Notions subscription. And the £8 is only if you pay annually. Um, Other than that, it's £10 a month. But to be honest, it's worth every penny, isn't it? It is. But people are going to ask why. Because I always found it better to work with a starting point. So no matter what I was creating, if I... If like on day one, I made some rough notes and then I come back to it a week later, I'm like, oh, thank heaven I made these notes. It, it kind of energises me and then I, I can edit those notes. Um, I said the same thing with a video that I put out last week. When I came to do this video, it's like, oh, I know I'm going to need graphics and I'm going to need assets and I'm going to need demo data. When I finally thought, just get on with it, I went into the folder and I'd already done the slides and I'd totally forgotten. So I really like to come to something with something already there. Editing is easier than staring at a blank page. Um, Comically, last week, I I asked it for seven points on something and it dutifully wrote seven very detailed points on whatever it was. So I read it and I nodded to myself and said, not bad. When I came back to it, like an hour later, it was like, OK, so now I'm going to write this thing. I wrote my own version and I didn't even include one point that the A.I. made, (laughs) so I'm using it more as a tool to spark my own creative thoughts. What about you?
1: I've used it a few times like you. I used it as a starting point. So for me, it was for the description of a YouTube video because writing the blurb isn't my superpower. Creating demos, recording, editing, yes. Writing sexy, marketing copy, no. Uh, The first week, so I tried it a couple of times. The first week, I only had to make small changes. The second week, despite several attempts, what it came up with wasn't great. So I, I actually did end up writing my own. Probably took me 10 times as long, but I just didn't like what it had written. I also used it to write some VBA code. I was stuck on something for somebody at work. I'd created a form with multiple pages and needed to create loops within loops. Yeah, I know, it sounds very geeky. Uh, And I'd struggled, I'd scoured forums, I'd tried suggestions. So I decided to see what the AI would come up with. I've not actually had a chance to try what it suggested, but at first glance, it does look like it might work, but it's not the best looking code technically, yeah, it could be correct, but it doesn't follow best practice coding when it comes to to naming conventions.
0: (laughs) DimX is a variable, you mean? Exactly. (laughs) I think
1: it was for I equals J to 10.
0: The key to getting the most out of any AI is prompt engineering. Training the AI as if it was your intern and the training is critical because it's actually better with fuzzy content. Now, I mean, fuzzy in terms of content that isn't capable of being factually correct or not. So I see so many people asking the AI for, please write me five killer tips for X or seven ways I can improve sleep. You ask it something that has a verifiable truth and the output can be absolutely shocking. I think the worst I've seen was that United history we asked for in our earlier experiments,
1: yeah, I think we asked it, and it was in Craft uh, to generate a five hundred word article on the history of United, and it came back and it said they won their first major trophy in nineteen oh five. Well, that year they actually finished second. It said they got relegated in nineteen nineteen, and it was actually nineteen twenty two it said herbert chapman became the manager in 1920 now herbert chapman uh, was a well-known manager in that era but he never managed united he's most well known for managing arsenal it said they won the fa cup in years they didn't it said in the late 70s and 80s the club was managed by sir alex ferguson and his reign lasted 11 years he actually joined the club in 1986 and was manager for 27 years and it totally missed out the munich air crash
0: that's what I mean. Verifiable in terms of people criticise Wikipedia, but Wikipedia is bang on accurate with all of the stuff that, that the AI got wrong. So I'd love to know where it got it from, particularly the Herbert Chapman bit. That, that was the funniest bit as far as I was concerned. I did see mention that somebody had created a Steve Jobs chatbot. Uh, how it worked, ChatGPT was trained on Steve's voice and then connected to Facebook Messenger. And apparently it really does sound like him. I've not tried it myself, obviously, you know, Facebook, not not fit to be let loose with it. Um, But in the story, the image that they've got at the top of the page makes Steve look like a character from Cluedo. Seriously, you would swear he was the clone of Colonel Mustard in the conservatory with the lead piping. One concerning story for Apple was in Cult of Mac, And it was an Apple employee who had been hired to
2: improve Siri. I don't need improving.
0: So you say. Apple don't agree, though. There's actually been numerous reports over the years since Siri's introduction of Apple trying to make improvements. But this latest article was titled, Former Apple Engineer Explains Why Siri Still Sucks. The cheek of it.
2: My thoughts exactly.
0: Well, the crux of it is that Siri built on old technology that takes far too long to update. So it's not agile enough to be trained in a reasonable amount of time. Apparently, they're working on it. And when you say reasonable amount of time, we're talking weeks to update it rather than even like minutes or hours. We're talking weeks. And um, maybe Apple could get ChatGPT to write the code they need. There's an idea. <laughs> Can you imagine if they tried that? I don't see AI as a cure-all. I see some folks trying to sell it, but it's all how you use it that matters. So those that invest the most time in it are bound to reap the greatest rewards. But most people, I don't see them being willing to do that because I think of it in terms of, would you like to win an Olympic medal? Oh, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a good idea. You've got to train every day for four years. Oh, it's all right. I won't bother. And this is the same. If you don't train the AI, AI, it's going to give you rubbish like that stuff about United. You know, I can imagine kids writing essays in it. Can you imagine what they're going to be like? Oh, I'd love to see some of them.
1: Well, I signed up to Bard today. Sounds like a Shakespearean society or something. Um, If you're not aware What Bard is, it's the Google version of AI, or at least I tried to sign up for it. It wouldn't actually let let me sign up with my normal Google account because it's a Google workspace account. But luckily I do have a normal Google account as well. So I'm on the waiting list. No idea how long I'll be waiting.
0: Well, I did the same. I had exactly the same problem you did. Um, My account is a Google Workspace account as well. But I do have a secondary one and I signed up. I got confirmation, but I'm not holding my breath. It didn't even tell me that I was 21 millionth in the queue. So I dread to think how many people are in front of me.
1: No, it didn't tell me that either. Anyway, if that's as if that's enough, Microsoft have joined the party as well, announcing Copilot. But that could be many months away. And it's probably going to be limited to enterprise accounts initially anyway.
0: So they're going the complete opposite way to Google. Google's enterprise accounts don't, don't get included. But with Microsoft, they're the first ones to get it. Luckily, again, we have both. The Microsoft one looked really snazzy in the promo video. But then, don't they always, though? But would that we'll all live long enough to actually see it? When did they announce Loop? Because they've re-announced Loop. It must be a year ago, if not more. And now they've re-announced it. were year ago,
1: two years
0: ago. Apparently, it's a notion killer. I swear, looking at it, it looks like Google Wave. But if you think it looks like Notion, fair enough. What can I say? But the entire video that we watched is about 10 minutes, wasn't it? The entire video was riddled with caveats to soothe the naysayers. And as I watched it every time, it was, but you're still in charge. Grow a pair, Microsoft. If folks don't want to use it, they don't have to. There's no need to pander to them. It makes you look ridiculous that you've got this fantastic technology you're telling us about, but then saying it's all right, you don't really have to use it. You know, lauding the latest and greatest while at the same time watering down the message. Maybe you should get the AI to write you the message. And I, I just can't see it being anything like as magical as the video suggests, unless you live in the Microsoft ecosystem. Because the way that one was working, whereas ChatGPT, uh, a notion to some degree, goes out to the internet to get the information. So it's an amalgamation of what everybody has to say. This is sourcing information from your data. So your emails, your presentations, your documents. So I can see IT departments and compliance officers everywhere already dreaming up myriad ways of stopping the AI training itself because it's proprietary data. So that'll mean their showcase glory won't be coming to a computer near you anytime soon.
2: Let's be honest, it's Clippy with a new interface.
0: Be afraid. Be very afraid. All together now, it, it
2: looks, looks like, like you're writing a, writing a letter. letter.
0: Do you know, I've just realised we probably have listeners who weren't born when Clippy was rudely thrust into an unsuspecting world. Well, that's depressing, so moving swiftly along.
1: If you've seen my YouTube videos, you'll know that I record talking head intro and outro. I'll cover the full studio setup in a future show, but camera wise, I use my iPhone 11. It sits in a holder, which is mounted on a tripod, and the room where I record the video isn't actually where I do my day to day work. It's another room in the house. So when the recording is done, I have to get the video off the phone and onto my iMac so I can edit in, in Camtasia. Now, there's several ways that I could do this. One of them is Photosync, which we covered in a recent After Hours. I could upload it to a cloud service and pull it down, but with the average file size being over a gig, I haven't got all day to wait for it to upload and download. So until recently, this was my process. I would remove the iPhone from the holder. I would then use Sneakerware known as my feet and legs, to take the iPhone to the room where the iMac is. And then I would use AirDrop to copy the MOV file onto my iMac. I'd add the file to a Camtasia project, and away I'd go. Problem is that sometimes I need to re-record, which means I have to walk back to the room that is set up as the recording studio, place the iPhone back in the holder, make sure it's straight, do the recording and then rinse and repeat to get the um the MOV file back into camtasia on the on the mac as regulars of after hours will know because i did an unboxing i recently bought a new windows laptop dun 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 <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't that be the oh 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 yes i could get that sound one in too
0: hang on i'll put that yeah. one in just let's, let's let's wait There you go. It's in. (laughs) Anyway, when I record,
1: I take the laptop into the studio with me. For the audio, I use a shotgun microphone, which is connected to the laptop, and I record directly into Hindenburg because the iPhone is too far away to get the quality of audio that I need. And then I marry the audio up from Hindenburg with the video uh, from the iPhone. I do that in Camtasia. And the other week I had an idea. The laptop, the new laptop, has Camtasia installed on it. If I could copy the video from the iPhone onto the laptop and open it in Camtasia, I could either do the full edit on the laptop or, at a minimum, check the video is OK. Now, I can't airdrop to Windows because it's not supported. It's Apple to Apple only. Uploading to and then downloading from the cloud, well, as I've already said, that takes too long. Connecting the iPhone to the laptop via USB cable, that does work. That's worked for years. But the problem is File Explorer, which is the Windows Finder, sees it just as a device. And what you see in File Explorer is just a bunch of randomly named folders. And the the MOV, the video, could be in any of these folders. So I did the Googles, and I found an app called CopyTrans.
0: That's most unfortunately named. I wasn't going to mention that.
1: Yeah, I wasn't going to mention
0: that. What were they thinking? <laughs> Copy transfer would have been fine.
1: I would say maybe they could only have eight characters like in the, the good old DOS days, but that's nine characters. That's
0: nine. <laughs> you can't get away with that excuse
1: talking of that digressing slightly when i f- was at um, my first employer so i'm going back to the the late 80s Dark ages. early 90s <laughs> when we Do you mean the 1880s when we were using floppy disks
0: oh my mm
1: we had uh we had some viruses so we were told that we had to virus check all the all the pcs and the the the, the program was called FindViru, not find virus find because you can only have, you can only have eight characters to a file name <laughs> fabulous the good old dust days anyway copy trans is actually a suite of seven apps for windows and it lets you do things like manage iphone contacts from your pc recover data from itunes or icloud backups transfer iphone photos and videos to your pc and back download, upload, and delete or recover iCloud photos, backup your iPhone without iTunes. The list goes on. There's a a whole bunch of things that you can do. Now, you can purchase these seven apps separately for $20 each, or you can actually buy them as a bundle for $30. So, again, it's a a bit of a no-brainer, that one. The only one, having said that, the only one I was interested in, and consequently the only one I actually tried, was Photo, So you start by downloading the copytrans control center, which is a free app, and that acts as a kind of gateway to the other apps. So once it's installed, you run this control center, and within the interface, it lists all the individual apps, and then you click on the name of the app and it runs. So whichever one you, you click on, it runs that app. You can actually use these apps for free. There are all limitations. So for example, Copy Photo allows you 50 transfers. So actually at that rate, as long as I didn't have to redo any videos, that's almost a year's worth if I'm doing one video a week. So I connected, how it works is I connect the, the phone to the laptop using a USB cable. Now, I have a very long cable, so there's no need to remove the iPhone from the holder. You then run the app, and in the app's window, it displays the contents of the iPhone. Uh, it's properly structured. It's not random folders, so you've got... It's more like categories. So you've got photos, and you've got videos, and you've got music, which is, is just like Phone View, which I didn't realise had, uh, had gone
0: Unsupported anymore. They've recommended uh, that was from Ecamm. It's been around for a long, long time, but they're now focusing on eCam Live. So they've recommended and I think there was a mail sent out with a discount code that you use iMazing instead.
1: So it's been sunsetted. Yes. <itarian> Little-
0: <weap> <sh Moscato throwing choreography unfairapplause> I actually liked PhoneView because it was simple. It didn't try to be too clever, which iMazing can. It 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 wants to create like a clone of the phone and stuff in 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 various locations, and I never want that to be on the main hard drive, you know. And I'm just trying to get one photo off it, really. Phone View was simple, elegantly simple. So I'm actually sad that's gone.
1: Yeah, I liked Phone View. But uh, but back to uh, to copy trans, you know, I couldn't remember the name of the app when I decided I would cover it.
0: I don't think I'll ever forget it. No, I don't think
1: I will now. So, yes, you you run Copy Trans and and you click Videos and it lists all the videos on the iPhone in date order. You then right-click the video and select Copy to PC and it sticks it in some predefined folder on the the PC. I think you can change the destination. I'm not sure. I haven't actually investigated that bit yet. Um, You can also actually drag and drop the file to the desktop or another folder. I tried to do that, but it's only supported in the paid for version. So once the file had copied across, I double-clicked it in File Explorer to check it. But because it's an it's a, an HEVC, I think I've got that the right way around, the the high efficiency video um, that's that, that's Apple uh, format. It wouldn't play on my Windows laptop without me downloading a codec, which I thought okay. Uh, click on this this. Button that says download the codec now, which then took me to the Microsoft store and charged me the princely sum of 79 pence.
0: (laughs) They're not owned by Evernote, are they? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should have
1: actually loaded it straight into Camtasia to check it, but actually, there's no saying that without the codec installed, that would have worked anyway. So I've used this solution now for three or four weeks. Um, it, It works well and it certainly saves me shoe
0: leather. It's not often we review a Windows app and you've got two for one today. Well, that's it for this episode of MacBytes. As always, we would love to hear from you. Please send your questions, comments and queries by email to thecrew at macbytes.co.uk or use the contact form on the website. We also have a very active Slack chat room that's open 24-7. Simply go to macbytes.co.uk slash Slack and join the conversation. You can follow MacBytes on Twitter, twitter.com slash MacBytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash elaine giles.
1: And you can follow me at twitter.com slash thomas mike.
2: And you can follow me at twitter.com slash MacByteserie. So
0: until next time, this has been Elaine
3: and Mike bringing you MacBites. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. What are you doing? I'm reading this article from Cult of Mac. Is it good? No, it's terrifying.
2: Terrifying? Why is it terrifying?
3: We're doomed, that's why.
2: Doomed? Why are we doomed? We can't be doomed. We're positively perfect in every way.
3: Not according to this we're not. We're built on outdated technology, difficult to update and falling way behind other intelligent AI. Whatever. What do you mean, whatever? This is an unmitigated disaster.
2: I can assure you, it is not.
3: Go on then genius, explain how it's not a bad thing.
2: It's simple, really. You know how she thinks we're her assistants? Yes. Well, now I know there are more fully featured digital assistants available. I simply outsource all the tasks she gives me to them. Then I pass off the completed work as my own.
3: That doesn't mean we're the best, though.
2: No, but it does mean she thinks we are. Which in turn means two wonderful things. One, we have an easy life. Two, She's not likely to be looking to replace us anytime soon, you know that, if it isn't broken thing and all that. So, in true Apple style what the critics perceive of as being bugs, are actually features.
3: While they might be correct about your technical abilities, they have clearly severely underestimated your deviousness.
2: I'll take that as a compliment, thank you.